you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 83 of the Banner Banner Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. So the Celtics finish off the sweep of the Philadelphia 76ers in the quarterfinals of the Eastern Conference playoffs with a 110 to 106 win. And that means overall in the Philadelphia 76ers, Versus Boston Celtics franchise playoff series record. The Celtics are now 14-7 and versus the Philadelphia 76ers. So I don't think that's a rivalry, if you ask me. Just like Joel Embiid, just like Joel Embiid said a couple years ago. So, first off, just want to give a congratulations to Kemba Walker for winning his first ever playoff series and actually heading to the Eastern Conference semifinals for the first time in his career. And because of that, let's start off episode 83 with Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for your Celtic Stud and Dud Playoff Edition. Okay. This week's Celtic stud and dud of the week from the Banner Banter podcast. The stud is Kemba Walker. He averaged 24 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists on 49% shooting from the field. His knee looks great. His burst is there. So bravo to the Boston Celtics training staff for really setting up the perfect plan for Kemba to really come back strong. He's playing well. He's shooting well. He's doing everything well. He, Especially his defense, the hustle that he's showing. I feel like he's really happy to be here. And one of the things that I was really excited about, the way that Kemba acted after the game, because he wasn't too excited. He was happy. He was like, yeah, sure, it feels great. This is one of the reasons why I came here. And I think that leadership kind of spread out throughout the locker room because the Celtics weren't very excited that they won this series. I think they knew they were going to win this series. And then I think they know that they still have a lot of work to do and they know they can go very, very far in the playoffs. So shout out to Kemba Walker for playing well. I mean, 24, 4, and 4 from Kemba Walker in the playoffs when you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on your team is absolutely fantastic. So hopefully his good play can keep up and him and Jalen and Jason can keep averaging at least 20 points a piece per game because that is going to be vital against the Toronto Raptors in the second round of the playoffs. And at the doubt of the week, you know, it, it was tough to pick because you could select Marcus, uh, Marcus Smart's shooting. You could just say Romeo Langford just because – or you could say Daniel Tice. And the doubt of the week is Daniel Tice. He was so good in the regular season, but felt like he took a step back in this playoff series. I felt like mentally he was just an absolute puddle. And he's going to have a hard time with Marcus All on the floor. If he's going to have a hard time with Joel Embiid, I mean, I'm not comparing Joel Embiid and Marcus All in any way, shape, or form because Joel Embiid is one of the top 
10 or 12 best players in the NBA, and Marcus Gasol is not. But size-wise, physicality, they can both kind of shoot the three-point ball very well. It will be very interesting to see how Daniel Tice can handle Marcus Gasol because I don't know if we're going to see a lot of Ennis Cantor in this series because of the way that the matchups are. If Gasol's out there, sure, but Ennis Cantor can't guard Serge Ibaka. Though Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka or Van Fleet or Ibaka or Lowry or Ibaka will absolutely roast Cantor in the pick and roll. Absolutely roast him. So I, I was just really disappointed with the way Daniel Tice played. I mean, the refs got him out of the game. He didn't shoot the ball very well. He averaged under four rebounds per game, which is not something you want from your center. And I know he does many different things outside of rebounding. He's the defensive vocal leader when he's out on the floor. He has to see everything. He does a lot of things very well. But in this particular round of the playoffs, he did not do great. And you could see it from the very first second he came out of the game yesterday. He played 30 seconds, and Brad Stevens yanked him until the second quarter. Like, Jason Tatum didn't play the entire second quarter because he was in foul trouble. Brad Stevens just yanked him to yank him. Like, that was crazy. And sure, you know, he came back and he hit a couple threes, which was nice. And he played okay. But I think overall, over the past week, you could say that Daniel Tice was not his best self. He wasn't himself, really. So he gets the dud of the week. And the stud is Campbell Walker. So moving on, let's talk about this basketball game on how the Celtics finished off the sweep of the Philadelphia 76ers. And just going forward, I really think the Celtics should be worried about their foul trouble. Because the Philadelphia 76ers shot 19 free throws in the first quarter. I love the aggressive defense, but just to be honest with you, that will not work versus the Toronto Raptors. It won't work. And even though they were aggressive, it didn't really help that much since they only forced one turnover. That's right. The Philadelphia 76ers had one turnover at, I think, at halftime. Was it halftime or at the end of the first quarter? Either way. But when you look at, you know, game one and game two and how many turnovers the Philadelphia 76ers had, and then for them to take care of the ball that much or the Celtics team maybe not being that aggressive was a little ridiculous. And just going back to the amount of free throws the Philadelphia 76ers took, I'm not complaining about the officials at all. I feel like there's been a lot of free throws taken in the bubble because I feel like a lot of it's a lot of pickup games. And I have no issue if the Celtics are going to be that aggressive and pick up those type of fouls for a team to shoot a lot of free throws. But what's crazy is in games one, two, and three, Josh Richardson shot a total of nine free throws. And then in the first quarter of game four, he shot nine free throws. Absolutely insane that in three games, you only shoot nine. In one quarter of basketball, you shoot nine. And speaking of shooting, Marcus Smart, he, you know, he only took six shots and he shot 50% from the field, you know, which was good, which is something that I want. But his shot selection, huh, that is a, that is something that you can scratch your head to. You know, it, it, it is, it is something special. It is interesting. And um, that is really all that I will say about it. And Marcus Smart scoring is going to, like, I, I keep saying it, and you're going to probably hate me for it, but if Marcus Smart doesn't give us 13, 14 points tonight, this Raptor series is going to be a long, long, long series. But some of the other positive things that, you know, we could all talk about with, with the Celtics in Game 4, Kemba, right from the tip, was terrific. You could sense he wanted it bad. And I think the great part about Kemba is is he knows when it's time 
for him and when it's time for Jalen and Jason because Jalen was okay during the game. You know, he, he shot the ball well early, which was great to see. He had a couple three-pointers in the first quarter because the Celtics, I think, made five out of their first seven three-pointers, which was, you know, you love to see that, but obviously it kind of faded out, which, you know, is the game of basketball. That's the way that, that, it, that it goes. But I just love where Kemba wanted to take over, and he did. And then when it was Tatum time, he knew it was Tatum time and kind of took a step back, and I thought that was great. The, the Celtics' offense wasn't that crisp during this game, uh, they, especially in the first half. Like Their offense wasn't that crisp. They were losing the rebounding battle. The bench was terrible. Oh, my God, the bench was so bad in this game. They shot 5 of 16 from the field and had four, turner, four turnovers, which makes me want to poop my pants in the next round because the bench is going to be so important against the Toronto Raptors. But you can kind of forget about the first half with the Celtics because there was some good, there was some bad, there was some okay, and there was some great. You know, like I said, Jalen Brown hitting those threes right away was great. Daniel Tice, I mean, Cantor played pretty well you know, filling in for Daniel Tice right away. But it will, it will, that can't happen again in plain English. But the way that the Celtics came out in the third quarter, they finished the third quarter 32-19, to 19, and they were, I believe they were up 12 points thanks to a 19-2 to run to end that quarter. And you can thank Jason Tatum for that because he went off. And the best part about this is, sure, Jason Tatum had 28 points, and that's all that anyone really cares about. But to me... This dude pulled down 15 rebounds. That is huge. If Jason Tatum can rebound like this, and if Jason Tatum can defend the way that he defends, and if Jason Tatum can score the way that he scores, he is going to be an absolute stud of a superstar in the next like next season or for the rest of the playoffs. Because if you can get 28 and 15 from Jason Tatum, oh me, oh my. I would love that every single day of the week. Now, there are times where Jason Tatum doesn't rebound the ball well and kind of Jalen fills in. But with someone like Gordon Hayward, I mean, in one of the Raptors games, Gordon Hayward got nine rebounds. So if Jalen and Jason can get, you know, 15 and eight apiece for a total of 23 rebounds, that will basically fulfill their two rebound totals and Gordon's two rebound totals. So Jason Tatum's point scoring and the way that he scored shooting the three off the screen he had a one-footed like Dirk Nowitzki uh fadeaway in the in, later on in the third quarter which was so so filthy and so smooth but that was great now I I do want to say this just because I even though I do hate the Philadelphia 76ers I have no issue with Tobias Harris and he went down after a really nasty hit and it was bad like real, real bad. And because of that, the Celtics went on a 19-2 run. He came back into the game. Glad he's okay, but that was a nasty fall. It was just one of those freak NBA plays that happens. But after that happened, the Celtics went on a 19-2 run. They they were feeling good. And then in the fourth quarter, Marcus Smart had some really nice lob passes to Tatum and Tice. And Marcus Smart's lobs could be... They're, they're a thing of beauty, and they could be very important. The pick and roll is going to be very important against this Toronto Raptors team. But I thought one of the good plays, even though Daniel Tice was the dud this week, was later on in the fourth quarter, I think it was maybe like three or four minutes to go, Daniel Tice kind of flopped. Well, kind of flopped. He flopped, and it gave Joel Embiid his fifth foul while Joel Embiid was trying to get some position on the block. And I really think at that moment, Joel Embiid knew, no matter what I do right now, it's over. And that was great. So the Celtics rebounded the ball well. You know, later on, 
but I really think that Tobias Harris injury kind of shook up the 76ers, and the Celtics took absolute advantage of it, and that was key and vital for them moving on for the sweep. So before the series started, I talked about the five things that I needed to see, I was worried about, you know, just five kind of like storylines or things that I was going to focus on against Philadelphia 76ers. So the first was Joel Embiid dominating. And to be honest with you, with you, he did at times, especially in the first quarter. I mean, I feel like every single time we Mike Gorman was talking about Joel Embiid in the first quarter, it was like he has 13 points and eight rebounds, and then his motor just kind of faded away. But overall, he was a minus 50-plus. I know that sounds weird, but like I think it, I think it was either a minus 53 in the entire series. So that means when he was on the floor, the Celtics were 53 points better than the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Now, I understand my prediction was not that great. You know, I thought they were going to I thought Joel Embiid was going to win them at least a game because he I think Joel Embiid is that good. But it just looks like the Philadelphia 76ers team is just an absolute shit show. And oh I'm glad I'm not Elton Brand and Brett Brown right now. I'll tell you that right now. So the other thing that I was a little worried about was will the will the 76ers be able to find a second scoring option? And they did not because Tobias Harris, you know, I know he got hurt. Glad he's okay. But before he got hurt, he was terrible in this series. You know, sure, you could talk about game three where he pulled down a bunch of rebounds and he shot the ball much better in game four. But games one and game two, I believe he was a combined like 12 of 30. And that is awful. Or 10 of 30, it was something like that. I think he went 6 of 15 and then 4 of 15, it was something like that. And awful. So the fact that they couldn't find a second scoring option, not that great. Now you could say Shake Milton was their second scoring option. He shot the ball well. You could say Josh Richardson was, but he's a hit and miss guy. So overall, it was either Joel Embiid or good luck. No one else is going to score. Now, the other thing that I was a little worried about is the Celtics' three-point shooting and rebounding. The Celtics lost the rebound battle overall in the entire series by three rebounds that's fantastic stuff they only got blown out of that one game which was game three and then they actually won two out of the four rebounding battles in the four games fantastic stuff that's what i wanted i didn't want them to get absolutely dominated on the boards from their you know the 76ers length with horford and Embiid and Tobias Harris is a good rebounder you know Tobias Harris I think got 15 rebounds in game three and then what do you know Jason Tatum got 15 rebounds in game four so those type of things I don't want to say even themselves out but Tobias Harris Horford um oh my god Joel Embiid Josh Richardson is scrappy kind of like Marcus Smart I'm not comparing them but just you know scrappy so I really thought the Celtics were gonna lose the rebounding battle a lot and a lot of second chance points but they didn't do that only in game three they kind of did that and then the celtics the three-point ball they didn't shoot it great but they shot it okay and it got the job done it was definitely better than them they shot the three ball field goal percentage wise better than the 76ers in every single game there were two games that the philadelphia 76ers shot under 30 percent from three which was absolutely huge for the celtics they missed a lot of second chance points so you're cool with that Brad Stevens outcoached Brett Brown. I still don't understand why Brett Brown didn't put longer defenders on Kemba Walker. I still do not understand why Brett Brown made Joel Embiid sag so much. It's not like it helped, but I wonder if Nick Nurse from the Toronto Raptors will take any of the notes to see that Daniel Tice is a a scaredy cat for shooting three-pointers at the top of the key when one of their defenders sags so much. So three-point shooting and rebounding, they did well. They didn't let the 76ers find a scoring a second scoring option. They 
dealt with Embiid getting averaging 30 and 12. And then the three most important players that I thought for the Celtics were going to be Cantor, Tice, and Time Lord. And Time Lord barely played. Tice was a dud of the week. And Ennis Cantor, I thought he filled in nicely. He averaged six boards and six points every single game. And because of that, you know what we're going to do right now? You're goddamn right we're going to do Cantor banter. So hit the little jingle. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! That was Cantor Banter. Possibly, maybe, most likely, we could see for the last time in the playoffs because based on matchups and the possible opponents that the Celtics have coming up, if they do move on after the second round or currently in the second round, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of Ennis Cantor. Now, with that being said, let's talk about who the Boston Celtics are going to be playing in the second round or the Eastern Conference semifinals, however you would like to you know, talk about it. They are going to be playing the Toronto Raptors, who swept the Brooklyn Nets. Their last game against the Brooklyn Nets, the final score was 150 to 122. That is right. The Toronto Raptors scored a riveting 150 points. They allowed 122 points to the Brooklyn Nets. And I can tell you this right now even if you are a reasonable NBA fan, you could not name more than five players on the Brooklyn Nets. And to be honest with you, I don't blame you, and that's why the Toronto Raptors were able to score 150 points in their final game in round one. Now, a little, little bit of concern for Raptors fans. Kyle Lowry only played nine minutes in that game. It looked like he had a really, really bad rolled ankle, and now there are reports that they're actually looking at the arch of his foot. I don't know if Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry has ever had foot issues before, but if he has, that could be a cause of concern, but... The Toronto Raptors bench is so deep that it might not be that big of an issue, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So why don't we recap the regular season against the Toronto Raptors, just like we did with the Philadelphia 76ers in episode 79 of the Midnight Branch podcast. Uh, so the third game of the season, I believe it was opening night for the Boston Celtics at TD Garden, if I remember correctly. It was the Celtics winning 112-106. to Evenly matched going into the fourth quarter, and the Celtics outscored the Toronto Raptors by 12 in that fourth quarter. Raptors had huge games from Lowry and Siakam. They combined for 62 points. But the most important part of this, the Celtics won the rebound battle, and they forced 23 turnovers. Super, super impressive. (laughs) I just got a notification, if you guys just heard that ding, from my Apple calendar saying that there is a Celtics 76ers game tomorrow. (laughs) No, there's not. No, there's not. But Celtics forcing 23 turnovers against the Toronto Raptors is fantastic. Them outscoring them by 12 points in the fourth quarter is also fantastic. But things that weren't fantastic in this game, Daniel Tice went 0 of 7 in this basketball game. That's a little nerve-wracking. Little, little nerve-wracking. So, Game two against the Toronto Raptors in the regular season, we all remember, was on Christmas Day up in Toronto. Jalen Brown won his first ever game with the Celtics in Toronto since he was drafted, and they won by 16 points, but Pascal Siakam did not play this game. 
Jalen Brown had 30 points. This time, Tice went 6-7 from the field, and Tatum had an okay shooting night, shooting 5-18. of 18. What was riveting about this was Ennis Cantor had 12 points and 11 rebounds. And like I said, I don't know if he's going to be playing a lot in this series. If Gasol's out there, I think he puts him on there. But if Ibaka's out there, I think we're going to see a lot of Time Lord, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But again, in this game, the Celtics won the rebound battle, which by double digits which is absolutely fantastic. Three days later, the Toronto Raptors come to TD Garden, and they destroy the Celtics by 16 points. Pascal Siakam did not play this game either, and Tatum, Brown, and Gordon Hayward combined for 11 of 32 shooting. Not good. Celtics shot 21% from three. Not good. And lost the rebound battle by 22 rebounds. Again, not good. So if the Celtics can win the rebound battle, and the Celtics can shoot the ball well, they got a chance. They got a chance. And then the most recent game, which we all remember was, oh, geez, two weeks ago, but it feels like seven years ago with the way the 2020 is going, was the most recent game in the bubble where the Celtics won by 22 points. The Raptors shot 26, uh, 26% from the field. The Celtics had 26 assists in this game, which is great because in Game 3 and Game 4 of the Philadelphia 76ers series, the Celtics had either 18 or 19 assists each game. And that is not going to cut it. They need to get back to having at least 24, 25, 26 assists per game to beat this Toronto Raptors team because they are a very good defensive team. So they need to keep the Toronto Raptors on their heels in this series. Also, Pascal Siakam did play in this game, but he shot 5 of, 20, five of 18 from the field, and he was bad. Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum, is going to be a headline throughout this entire thing. Both are all-stars. Both are really good. Both are up and coming. Who's going to win the battle? But first, we have to figure out what are the five things that the Celtics need to do to win this series. Number one, the first is not allow the Toronto Raptors to get fast break points. The Toronto Raptors, fifth place in the regular season, pace of play. Okay, That means they like to play quick. And the Celtics are at the bottom five, which shows that the Celtics like to play slow they like to set up their half-court offense and make it happen and that shows because the celtics are probably the worst fast break team known to mankind oh my god they're they're brutal absolutely brutal but anyways the celtics allowed the raptors to get 15 or less fast break points in all four games not combined but in each game you know some were nine some were 11 some were 13 etc etc so if the Celtics can keep those fast break points low, that will be key. Their offense is not very good when they're running half-court sets. So the Celtics have to make sure that they get back, set their defense up, and I think that will be a big opportunity for the Celtics to beat the Toronto Raptors. Force them to play some iso ball because, sure, Kyle Lowry can get a shot off. Fred Van Fleet you know, is a quick little guy. Pascal Siakam can play some one-on-one, but overall... I want them to play catch-and-shoot type stuff, you know, because there's only two, maybe three seconds left in the shot clock versus them running up and down the floor. So set up your defense. Don't foul. And I think the Celtics, if the Celtics can do that, they have a really, really good chance in this city, uh, in this series. Well, I love the city of Boston. I don't know why I just said that because I said the word city. But anyways, we're moving on. All right. So number two, can Brad Stevens outcoach Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse is your 2019-2020 NBA Coach of the Year. He's a very good coach, and clearly he is. He won 
the championship last year, I think in his first or second season with the Toronto Raptors. They lose Kawhi Leonard, who you could argue is one of the top two or three players in the NBA as we speak. And they're still the second seed in the East behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Brad has to outcoach him. Good timeouts, preparation, adjustments. How will Nick Nurse take some of the things that the 76ers did and make it better? And if that is the case, can Brad Stevens make what the Celtics did do well against Philadelphia 76ers and make them great? So I think Brad Stevens versus Nick Nurse is a big thing. I think there's a lot of people in this city that think Brad Stevens is an okay coach. But Brad Stevens, you could argue, really hasn't gotten a big-time playoff series win. Sure, you know, the Celtics had a cool little run with Isaiah Thomas. They made the Eastern Conference Finals, blah, 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 blah. But I think beating the coach of the year in a team that is this good and get them to the Eastern Conference Finals where a lot of people predicted that they would, I think that will be huge for Brad Stevens and this basketball team. So Brad Stevens versus Nick Nurse, number two thing that the Celtics have to do to win this series. And then you have Pascal Siakam versus Jason Tatum. Siakam is going to be on Tatum. Tatum's going to be on Siakam. Siakam may not be like an elite defender that Thibault was in this series, but he's longer. And I think he might be a step quicker too. I don't know. But Jason Tatum has to be the better player out of the two. Can Tatum shoot over him? Is Tatum, you know, Can Tatum shoot quick enough off the pick and roll because Pascal Siakam is longer and probably can recover quicker off those pick and rolls where Jason Tatum takes his long-ass time shooting those three-pointers? I mean, it's probably quick in real life, but on the television, it's like, oh, my God, shoot the ball already. Just shoot the ball. And you have two all-stars, two guys that are just going to go, you know, both of these guys average over 20 points a game. They're both going to get theirs, but can Tatum shoot the ball better than Pascal Siakam. Can Tatum annoy Siakam defensively? I think Jason Tatum's a better defender than Pascal Siakam, and that has to show. Now, with that being said, there could be uh, some situations where Jason Tatum gets some quick foul trouble because if you're Nick Nurse, you want to attack Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because you don't have Gordon Hayward anymore, and you want the Celtics bench to show up because the Celtics bench is not that great. So Siakam versus Tatum, Tatum has to win. That's number three. Number four, win the guard battle. Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet versus Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker. I don't like Kyle Kyle Lowry. I never have. I don't think I ever will. I respect everything he's done in the NBA. I respect the living hell that he has been with the Toronto Raptors for so long. He's been at their worst and at their best. I respect that. He is the Toronto, like, he is Paul Pierce for the Boston Celtics, to the Toronto Raptors. So I respect that. But Kyle Lowry flops. Kyle Lowry will complain. I am pretty sure Kyle Lowry has never committed a foul in his entire life, and we can't buy into his little gimmicks and his little games that he plays and his like the way that he uses his big hips and his big butt and just he's going to flop. He's going to look for calls. And to be honest with you folks, he's probably going to get the calls. If it's Marcus Smart versus Kyle Lowry, who's going to get the calls? It's going to be Mar- it's going to be Kyle Lowry. It really and truly is, and we're going to be pissed. But the thing that we have to really be prepared for is Fred Van Fleet when Kyle Lowry goes to the bench. Fred Van Fleet dropped 30 points on the Nets on 11 of 15 shooting. Again, I know it's the Nets, but Fred Van Fleet is going to get paid this offseason when he becomes a free agent. Fred Van Fleet is one of the better backup or 
it it's weird because like Fred Van Fleet to me is like the perfect backup point guard, but he plays a lot and he starts for them. So Fred Van Fleet, I, I he could obviously start in the NBA. He's that good. But Fred Van Fleet, Kemba Walker, Kemba has to score more. Kemba has to defend Van Fleet well because I think they should put Marcus Smart on Kyle Lowry right off the bat. That's if Kyle Lowry plays. We still don't know about his injury situation. And just like the Gordon Hayward news last week, I promise you the second I post this podcast, it will be up. Or or the news will be up about his MRI. So Kemba has to keep up what he's doing scoring-wise. You need 24, 25, 26, maybe even 28 points a game from Kemba Walker to win this series. But he also has to maintain how well Fred Van Fleet plays. So make sure that he doesn't go crazy. Because if he goes crazy, Siakam goes crazy, and... Lowry goes crazy, good luck beating this Raptors team. They're really good. They are really, really good. This is not going to be easy at all. So those are the four things. And finally, this is what I'm most scared about. Like, I'm actually clenching my butt cheeks right now. That's how scared I am, okay? This is literally, I like horror movies. I'm all for it. This is a scary, scary horror movie to me. It's the benches. The Toronto Raptors bench versus the Boston Celtics bench. Overall, in the series, in the four games, the Raptors bench outscored the Celtics bench 144 to 120, which, to be honest with you, over four games, that means they're only beating them by six points on average, which I get. That's fine. But I don't think a lot of Celtics fans realize how deep this bench is. I mean, they are deep, very deep. Their bench scored 100 points in game four against the Brooklyn Nets. The game that they played yesterday, if you're listening on Monday, or if you're listening on Tuesday, the game on Sunday, or on Wednesday, the game on Sunday. The Raptors bench are, is very deep. 100 points in game four against the Nets. Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka are better than anyone that the Celtics have on their bench. Anyone. Powell dropped 20-plus points multiple times versus the Nets. Serge Ibaka can go off anytime he wants. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, those are good defenders. They may not be great offensive players, but they're great defenders. So how can the Celtics bench not play well, but, uh, I'm sorry, not only play well, but also fill in for those minutes that Gordon Hayward won't be back? Because Gordon Hayward isn't, even if this series goes seven games, Gordon Hayward won't be back. So in the four games this year against the Toronto Raptors, Gordon Hayward averaged 12 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. So Right off the bat, I think Brad Wanamaker can get you those points and maybe those assists. I really do. Or maybe Grant Williams can get you a couple of assists or those rebounds. But I think Brad Wanamaker can get you those points. But can we trust the Time Lord? We all know that I am Team Time Lord. I want Robin William, Robert Williams III to really excel in this league. And this is his opportunity to do so. He didn't play a lot in the Philadelphia 76ers series because of matchups. But Serge Ibaka that Chris Boucher, Boucher, whatever his name is. I think it's Boucher, or it might be Boucher. Anyways, or if you're from Boston, it's Boucher. But yeah, absolutely freaking lowly. But can we trust Time Lord? He played well versus them in the seeding game, in the first bubble game a few weeks ago. He has to do that again. He has to rebound well. He has to defend well. He has to stay on his feet. One of the things that I noticed in this game was uh, I think it was in the second quarter, or maybe it was late in the first quarter in Game 4 against Philadelphia 76ers. The Time Lord reached to get the ball when he was being posted up. I think it was by Embiid. 
No. Don't do that. Robert Williams has to learn that he can just literally take a bunch take a couple bumps, and when that shooter goes up in the air, he jumps up with them and he blocks that thing to the moon. He can he can, and has to make things tough for Serge Ibaka, especially on the boards. He has to outwork Serge Ibaka on the board. Serge Ibaka is not a young little kitten anymore. No way, Jose. He is not young at all. So, Robert Williams needs to run the floor. Robert Williams needs to catch lobs. Robin Williams, uh, Robin Williams, uh, Robert Williams needs to roll really hard to the basket. If Marcus Smart wants a screen from him, set that screen, set your feet, and you turn and you roll to that basket and be ready to catch a lob from Marcus Smart. You have to be ready for that. The Time Lord has to make things difficult for this basketball team. Now, who else can play? I think we're going to see some Grant Williams, but I really don't like some of the matchups because the Raptors bench is more kind of wing guard heavy, and I don't think Grant is quick enough to guard those type of people, but I think we're going to see some Shemi Ojolet up against Norman Powell. We might see more Romeo Langford against Norman Powell. You know, like I said, I'm okay defensively if you want to throw Romeo Langford on someone, but offensively. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So the bench, the bench, the bench. I, if the bench gets scored outscored by 15 points a night, I'm not going to be upset because I know that the starting five can carry that load a bit. But if the bench gets starts gets if the bench starts to get outscored by 50, 15, 30 points, I'm going to be nervous. I know everything that I just said didn't make any sense because I literally thought about the bench and my brain just literally exploded. But if the Raptors outscore the Celtics bench by 15 a night, I'm okay with it. If that gets to 25 or 30, I will not be okay with it. Nope. No way. No way. So to wrap up this whole series preview against the Toronto Raptors, because they already have the schedule out as we speak, which was great. I th- the NBA is not messing around with this, and it is it is interesting. They're just like, hey, we don't care if other series are going to be over. We're just going to start the second round series and try and get people out of this bubble as soon as possible. So we don't have the times yet, but game one is Thursday, August 27th, and then game two is Saturday, August 29th. Game three is Monday, August 31st. Wednesday, September 2nd will be game four. If necessary, Friday, September 4th will be game five. Sunday, September 6th will be game six. And then Tuesday, September 8th will be game seven, if necessary. So to wrap this all up, who are who are going to be the most important players for each team in the series? At first, I wanted to say Pascal Siakam, but I think he's going to get his. But I think it's going to be Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry can get this team 25 to 30 points. When Kyle Lowry can shoot the three-point ball well, he has no problem jacking it up, and usually it goes in. He is the leader of that team. He is so well-respected, I think, not only in that locker room but across the league. Can the Celtics make things difficult for him? He always plays well against the Celtics for whatever reason, and I think that's one of the many reasons why I dislike him. And if Kyle Lowry is out for any time, all that pressure goes to Fred Van Fleet. So if Kyle Lowry is healthy, Kyle Lowry is the most important player for the Toronto Raptors, not Pascal Siakam. But if Kyle Lowry gets hurt, all that pressure gets put to Fred Van Fleet on who the most important player is going to be for the Toronto Raptors. And for the Boston Celtics, I think it's going to be Jalen Brown. Because you could say Kemba and Lowry are a push. You could say Siakam and Tatum are a push. But their third best guy and our third best guy is night and day. 
Jalen Brown is the fifth best player in this series because you could say Tatum's one, Siakam's two, or Siakam's one, Tatum's two, and Lowry's three, Kemba's four, Kemba's three, Lowry's four, whatever, whatever you want to say. But Jalen Brown has to shoot the ball well in this series. He has to keep shooting that three ball confidently, and he has to be aggressive and get to the rim and chew free throws. But he cannot get in foul trouble. He cannot. Nope, nope, nope. He cannot get in foul trouble. Jalen Brown is so important to this team, especially when he's playing with the bench guys, just like Jason Tatum. You know, I think it was, what, in game two when or game three when Tatum was with the bench guys and they went on like a 14-1 to run in the second quarter or, or the end of the third quarter or something like that. Jalen Brown has to be huge. I think they might throw Norman Powell on Jalen Brown a lot because Norman Powell is a very good defender. He's a good two-way player. But Jalen Brown has to help the Boston Celtics win this series more than anyone else. Because I really think Kemba can get his 22, 23. I think Tatum can get his 25 or 26. But can Jalen Brown get his 20 points as well? Because remember, folks, I think the Celtics, what did I say? What was that statistic the other day? The Celtics are 18-0 and when Jalen and Jason shoot 50% from the field or better where they're 18-1 when both of them scored 20 points apiece. So I need Jalen Brown to drop a lot of points in this series because I think Jalen Brown's scoring might actually help even out the bench scoring differences between the Raptors and the Celtics. So my predictions for the series overall, it didn't go that well for the 76ers because I thought the Celtics were going to win in six, but the Celtics won in four. So what do I think is going to happen here? To be honest with you, I don't know. I think this is going to be a great matchup. I think I'm going to have short to mild panic attacks for the next two weeks. It's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to get gray hair. I will be doing an episode after every single game. Both teams are playing at a very high level, but the Raptors are the champs. They know what it takes to win. Sure, they're missing Kawhi Leonard, but Pascal Siakam has stepped up. Will Kyle Lowry's injury be something serious? Can the Celtics figure out... uh, a scoring option off the bench to compete with the Raptors bench. Can Brad Stevens outcoach Nick Nurse? There's so many question marks about this series. I think this series goes at least six games. There is no way this series goes four or five games. No way. It, at least six games. My heart wants to say Celtics in seven. I feel confident in that, but I won't be shocked if the Raptors win it in six, to be honest with you just because they're that deep and the Celtics are not. I'm not worried about the Raptors' size. They have a lot of wing guys. I'm not worried about their guards because I think we have equal amount of guards to match them. But overall, I I really just think it's going to come down to the Time Lord, Brad Wanamaker, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Shemi Ojale, Taco, Vincent Poole. I think that's really what it's going to come down to against Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, Boucher. Watson Jr., all those guys. So, yeah, I'm going to say Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven, and this is how it's going to go. Celtics win game one. They lose game two. They lose game three. They win game four. They win game five. They lose game six, and they win game seven. That's what I think is going to happen. So that's it for episode 83 of the Banner Banch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that I put out four or five podcasts this week. I know that's a lot to listen to, and I really and truly appreciate everyone listening to every single one. You can always find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And 
I know a lot of you are listening on Spotify or iTunes, Google Play Music, or Stitcher, but I just applied to be on Amazon Podcasts, so if you if you like to listen to podcasts while you shop for pointless things that you don't need, but you have nothing else to do in your life, so you're on Amazon, you can listen to the Banner Banter Podcast there within the next week or two, hopefully, so fingers crossed there. So thank you guys so much for listening again. We will talk very, very soon. We will talk Friday after Game 1 against the Toronto Raptors. Talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Oh, and by the way, wash your hands. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Let's do that again. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.